Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. And I'm Anthony Lowe, the physio detective. Together we interview leading authorities, answer questions, and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember the materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and for entertainment purposes only. They are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now it's time to get cracking with the episode, so whether you're out walking your dog, driving the kids to school, or just sitting back enjoying a glass of wine, we hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to the Women's Health Podcast, Marika Hart here, and as always, my buddy Anthony Lowe sitting over in Sydney. How are you, Anthony? Doing well, thanks Marika. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. I'm assuming you're insanely busy as always. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I just finished teaching a course. It's the last of my weekend commitments, so I might get a weekend off. Um, well, not this coming weekend, but it'll be the first one for the year, so that'll be nice. I don't even know. I don't even know how you do it. I've just um, I've just come off off uh, eighty kilometres of hiking up the Bibbulmun track without children. Uh, came back just so calm and peaceful um and it was it was blissful uh, i'm very grateful for that opportunity to be honest because i feel like it's uh it's been a tough couple of years isn't it it has been yeah. definitely <laughs> <laughs> and um we have a special guest today called kieran richardson um i'm very fortunate to work in perth with kieran he's a physiotherapist uh we actually were on a on a Musk, musculoskeletal committee for a short period of time together and we just discovered that we we both kind of um probably weren't the best committee members were we Karen? <laughs> look I wouldn't say I was a bad committee member <laughs> when I was there I felt like I was contributing but then I I changed email and then I think they kept emailing my old one which I just disengaged from and so I just slowly exited just stage off. left <laughs> like just slowly left and then just haven't gone back <laughs> I fell off the radar. I'm sure they're missing your expertise. Um, I'm just going to introduce you to, to people who don't know you. Um, he's actually a specialist physiotherapist. And for those that don't live in Australia, um, we, we basically we kind of have a, a hierarch, hierarchical system um, of training. And to get to a specialist level, oh, what can you say? You can tell us about that, that process later, Kieran, but it's pretty full on. Um, you already have to have had a lot of postgraduate training and experience, and then you go through another couple of years, and there's a lot of examinations and a lot of peer reviews and things like that. Um, so to get this, uh, this level is, is, is really quite something. Um, and he also, he's a director of a business called Global Specialist Physiotherapy, um, and it's a consultancy company. And what they do is a lot of um, PD for physio clinics, um, mentoring, and do a lot of um, non-surgical opinions for patients. And in particular, Kieran's very passionate about ACLs and we'll talk about that later. Um, so Kieran and his team of academics and uh, expert clinicians and researchers, they do lots of consultations to lots of different physio clinics um, around Perth and WA. And I do believe you've got someone in Melbourne now, haven't you? Yes, yeah, we, I guess since the, the coronavirus pandemic, we've been uh, having a lot more clinics engage us live via zoom uh and I, I don't know if do people still use skype but it's mainly been zoom um and yeah so i just have been looking for another um consultant for a while and some ones in perth just weren't available and i just figured well why not reach out to some people in melbourne and yeah we're very fortunate to have karina join us uh who's a postgraduate physio uh, in sports and yeah that's that's been it's pretty cool <laughs> Yeah, and, and on top of that, he's running lots of courses, doing courses on um, the non-surgical management of ACL tears um, and this new one on manual therapy, is it, Kieran? Uh, is, we called it the manual to great therapy, which, which yeah. uh, I thought being a, a dad of three girls, I'm allowed <laughs> to do dad, dad jokes willy-nilly. So I thought that was quite a good dad joke slash witty. Um, and yeah, I... I we won't maybe get into too much detail on that. We can later, but if you want, it's up to you guys. We can go deep dive straight into that now if you want. But um, yeah, I just think the whole manual therapy thing is, uh, I guess, a conversation that if you look on social media, there can be a lot of outrage, spot fires left, right and center. And to me, it just I don't really understand why that is. Um, and so myself and James Schomburg, who's a, um, an academic clinician, 
from South Australia just decided to start a two-day course where we review the research literature when we should use hands-on when we shouldn't and why why it doesn't why it can still be cool it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to completely be put on the shelf we yeah you're taking some of the controversy out of it aren't you <laughs> I, th I think yeah well that was the plan because we don't we don't really see why it has to be so divisive really 100% agree Look, um, why, why don't we sort of take a little bit of a step back then, Kieran, and talk about your, you know, how you got started in physiotherapy and why you wanted to be a physio. What do you, what do you love about it? Yeah. yeah so like in, uh, in high school, I actually was contemplating physiotherapy, medicine, um, and then I considered teaching and then also accounting. And it only took doing one day at an accountant to realize that that wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, I actually quit like after a day of work experience. I was like, I can't do this. Like, it's just too boring. Um, they actually call most accountancy sections in businesses the morgue. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard that. Um, but yeah. Where people go to die. Pretty much. <laughs> and it's just lifeless. No, I love accountants though. But, um, but then, yeah. I went into a Bachelor of Science because I didn't get back then uh, physio was actually higher than med to get in. So I, my score wasn't good enough uh, to get into physio. So I did a year of a Bachelor of Science and then did pretty well, transferred into physio and then um, did undergraduate physio. And even at the end of physio, I wasn't really sure if it was something I wanted to do as a career. And so I was looking into going into medicine and even law um, and then I just worked in a hospital and kind of gained my, my footing there and, and worked in a different, you know, a few different areas and rotations and had a, a special interest in orthopedics and, and musculoskeletal, uh, working in outpatients, really started to cut my teeth, then moved into private practice. And early on in my career, I was supervising students and, and I guess I had the, the clinical doors open more. Uh, and so, you know, I guess upskilling in, in uh, the, the clinical nuances of physio uh, seemed to be opening up to me and then um, started working in private practice and then was able to do my master's at Curtin, which is a fantastic program. You know, some real heavy hitters in research and, and clinical world there. And uh, as you're saying earlier, was able to then uh, go on and do my specialist training, uh, which was which was I actually found, I probably shouldn't say this, but I actually found the masters harder because I found so much reading, whereas the specialist was more self-directed. You, you could sort of choose your own path and you just had to have people validate it. So I found the, the reading part of the masters really hard because it'd be like 10 articles a week or whatever. So I found that particularly difficult. Um, but yeah, and, and I've just since then... Uh, been involved in mentoring and and um, have been fortunate to have people that that work with me that are great mentors and and I just value that as a part of the profession and and I really think that uh, availing yourself to other people's opinion who may be more experienced or having a different view to you isn't necessarily a bad thing you know I think that that if you can do that consistently it, not just in you know I guess in all elements of life but in in physio it's just been personally it's been um very helpful for me to have other people question my views and challenge my thinking and so yeah I've, that's i guess the path that i've taken to this point nice it's a um it's an interesting thing isn't it how people get to where they are and and it looks like you know you, you were trying many different things um and and ended up in physio uh you know making it through all the different training that you've done. Um, with respect to, um, you know, the mentoring side, supporting people's side, but also just how your career maybe has been influenced by things like, well, if you did the science degree and then you did the master's degree and then you did the, um, the specialization training, um, how how did the the research the evidence-based practice and what that might have looked like over the period of time how did that look in you know and and we can talk about acl you have a passion for acl manual therapy 
um, and, and how that relates to how you might assess and manage some of some of the things that you see, you know? Yeah, I look, I guess my, my undergraduate degree was completed in the early to mid 2000s. So everything was very technical back then, you know, very um, you know, specific techniques and, and, and related to um, almost that whole body as a machine. You would do a biomechanical test and you would do a biomechanical treatment. Um, you know, I didn't really excel so much in undergraduate. In fact, I found a lot of it quite confusing. And then when I would go and try this stuff on patients, I, I would really be faking it, faking it till I make it, you know, and it, it just didn't really add up to me. Um, and then when I went and did the masters, I started to realize, you know, this whole biopsychosocial was coming out around then 10, 12 years ago. And I started to see that, okay, I didn't actually have to hold so strong to some of those more technical aspects of physio. And, um, and then even still going into uh, the specialist training where it was very heavily, heavily evidence bound, you know, arguably too strongly. Um, and you start to realize that there's a lot of research evidence out there and most of it's poor quality, um, which is difficult for some healthcare practitioners to sit in and to, to, you know, to sit in that grayness, you know? Um, and it's not to say that, that everything's gray in health, but it's far more gray than people would like to admit. Um, and so I've just, uh, I guess with, with my reasoning has, has, I still have evidence as a default. I love that. And I'll always love that. And I think it's as scientists, we have to have that, but I think, how we interpret um, you know, a patient in front of us based on the research is far more individualized, you know, far more heterogeneous than we used to think 20 years ago, um, where it was very one size fits all. And so um, that's quite, I think it's quite relieving to be honest as a clinician, because you, 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 um, you're pretty open to seeing quick changes. And if you're not, then you, you're more happy to refer on or get different opinions. I guess that would be, I don't know if that, if that makes any sense, but that would be how I've sort of shifted in my views and practice and gr I guess grown. Do you, sorry, did you have a follow-up question, Anthony? You're good. I, I just was wondering, Kieran, in your experience in, in mentoring, do you find yeah. then there's a lot of confusion about evidence-based practices being, it is all about what the research shows and it's only RCTs versus you know, that true description of evidence-based practice, which is, you know, those different elements and, and it's experience and it's all those other things as well. It's not purely research. Yeah, I think with, with mentoring, it, it's, I love it. It's, it was, it's one of the favorite parts of my working week. Honestly, it's, it's so enjoyable. And then seeing someone shift and change and then get superior outcomes is just, it's lovely. Um, it's tough though, because each, each physio has to be, or, or it's not even physios that we do mentor outside of physio, but they have to be open to someone challenging their, their thinking and reasoning. And it, you do, it is quite vulnerable. You have to be quite vulnerable. Um, and some people are quite defensive on that, you know, initially, not all, um, but I've seen, I've seen a bit of that in my time. And I, to, to be honest, I think I was like that when I first started, I was a bit resistant and, and, you know, it's all, you get all manner of, of interpretation of how a patient is now. So some of the more new and recent graduates can be very heavily, you know, empirically evidence bound. And so they're, they're wanting, you know, they might read a systematic review or meta-analysis that says, um, you know, there's very poor quality of evidence to do X treatment. And so they will write that off, but then the patient might still want that. <laughs> And so, and it's not to say it's wrong. Um, and so you, we'll see that. And then you see, uh, you know, on the other spectrum, you'll have some people that are, that are very strong in their view based on their experience. And it's, you, you can't necessarily dr dramatically change that straight away. And in fact, as a mentor, trying to change people that have a very strong view, you can almost get, if you're trying to change it too quickly, you get that, that reaction where they get, even more aggressive. <laughs> so, so um, and that you see that online in different conversations. And I guess even now with social media, 
like the social media thing has just polarized a lot of these topics even more. And I like to put stuff out there online, you know, and, you know, even in the, you can be the, present the most balanced evidence-based view and people will still just kick off. Um, And so you've got to be comfortable as well that you can't, you can't ever make everyone happy. So, um, but the mentoring is, is great. And I, I wish more physios would, would, and healthcare practitioners, not just physios, but healthcare practitioners would avail themselves to people giving them contrary, not even contrary, but just alternate view. Um, yeah. Totally agree with you, Karen. <laughs> Marika, Marika's laughing because she knows what goes on in... Uh... He does a lot of mentoring and, and he, talk, he has all these analogies about trying to, trying to shift the Titanic and... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I was going to say yeah. lots of people, lots of people like to try and and change the course of a cruise liner by running into it with a tugboat, um, yeah. instead of getting alongside and doing what a tugboat does best, which is gradually make change. But you know, in in a lot of the stuff that I do, I actually tell people now when they do, it's called the masterclass, um, that you're going to probably have an existential crisis. I developed a course that goes through the first five weeks of a 12-week program that you can do with me. It's super cheap. It's 100 US bucks. It'll take you through that with reflection questions and everything to try and lessen the impact of that existential crisis. And people still have the existential crisis, even after having done that. It's, it's like, it's full on, man. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And so I think um, I probably as a mentor now am far more gracious because I, 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 I'm so desperate often to just see the changes because I've seen it work in myself and had dramatic shifts in thinking. And so I want to help people with that. But I, I find that some people aren't prepared for that. They're not prepared for that level of reasoning. They're not prepared for that. It's almost matrix-esque you know, are you going to take this pill? If you take this red pill, do you know where we're going? <laughs> so um, I've actually, I said that to a mentee the other day and he was ready to take the pill. So, and we went there, but um, not everyone's ready for that. And it's just, especially if you've been experienced and trained, you, you not everyone's ready for those very deep level conversations straight off the bat. Um, I try to gauge whether they're ready or not. Cause I like going there straight away but it doesn't always, it can get the reverse effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The backfire effect is for real. Um, so with respect to, you know, you just, uh, it's, it's hard in the middle, isn't it? Because you're, you're never going to please everybody. You're not extreme to one side or the other in whichever direction you choose to go. That's why everybody doesn't like us who sit in the middle. In terms of going where the evidence is, you mentioned incorporating what people want, um, navigating the complexities of garbage in, garbage out when you do a systematic review, reviewing them. Um, how's that balance and how do you see that work out in terms of walking the line, doing manual therapy, dry needling, traction, electrotherapy, like all of these things don't have evidence that they're superior to anything else, but they also often are better than placebo. So, you know, how do you navigate that on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that, you know, sometimes like, for example, with, with ACL, the culture and um, rhetoric is very, very, very extreme towards surgical. It could not be more extreme, really, um, even now. Um, and so sometimes you, even by taking a slightly off-center view, it would be considered very out there. So I think there are some things where you, you can sit in the middle and I think it's good. And I think other times, even by sitting in the middle or slightly off middle, it's considered extreme because the current view is very extreme. Um, and I think physio is guilty of that in in various areas um i do like the sackets model 
that Sackett's that from the from the mid '90s, where you have uh, what does the best, you know, the kind of three inter three circle intersecting Venn diagram, where you have most empirical. What does the patient want? What do we think? And do we sit somewhere in the middle? And can we can we try and find a middle ground? I think that's that's a pretty good model. And um, you know, you get the people that are hardline empirical. And I love the empirical so much so, as I said, that I almost considered doing law because I was so frustrated with the lack of evidence for, for treatments that were being applied on patients. Um, but I think you always have to consider that individual. And um, in physio, it's hard because most of my um, real passion is cultural trend outside of physio. Not so much, like I love the profession, but I see what we can add extra professionally you know to within healthcare which you know this might sound controversial but healthcare is dominated by medical completely dominated and so physios have these arguments about various issues but in the grand scheme of things we're, we're struggling to make a dent because we we can't even agree on pretty simple stuff um but as a united force i think we can but it, it most of the real world issues and you know the harms that we would cause are insignificant compared to some of the other massive meta issues that are going on in health um so that's probably where my big passion is and um so it can be frustrating seeing some of these what i see as spot fires non-issues where if we could all agree at least in part we could have a, a greater influence not probably not just even physio but allied health uh, as a corporate because so it, it, the reality is the majority of the claims uh, of, of um, item numbers and claims that are processed in health are medical. It's, it's not physio or, or, or allied health even. So yeah, that's really my real passion is, but shifting that juggernaut is huge. Yeah, take that on board, buddy. That's, um... <laughs> it's, it's, that gives a lot of um, food for thought really. And I mean, I know just going to the social media side, you know, we had a very quick conversation off air and we, we talked a little bit about how um, within the manual therapy, sorry, physiotherapy world, for those that aren't physios, you know, there, there has been a little bit of back and forth over the last few years about whether or not actually putting our hands on and doing massage and manual therapy is a total waste of time, whether it's all placebo, whether it's making people more dependent on physios and not making them independent. And so there's, you know, We've, 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 it's, it's like this pendulum bloody swing we've gone from being so biomechanical like Kieran was saying very picky about you know this is an upslip downslip you know we have to mobilize this this number of times um, put this back into place etc and then we've gone hang on that wasn't right so we chuck everything out and we do not touch our patients and we go everything is about pain education and um, and getting people strong and just getting people in the gym and it's funny because the auntie and I very much sit in this middle space where we put hands on people all the time and I'm thinking about you know a, a patient I saw a couple of days ago who's got um you know acute pelvic girdle pain who's pregnant now I know the evidence for manual therapy is not great but I can tell you in that moment when she got up and went oh thank god I feel so much better thank you I think well would I deny her doing hands-on um because it in quote doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't make a difference and so We've then got this, you know, situation where online, if someone says, oh, you know, you do some manual therapy on this, you've got someone else going, well, that's bullshit. That doesn't work. We know in the evidence. And then, and like you say, it's to me, half of it is such a bloody waste of time because it's not actually, the arguments are not furthering the profession anymore. We're not actually making any kind of useful movement to help our patients. Um, whereas, as you said, there are probably bigger things that we could be focusing on. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a tangent, sorry. No, yeah, I mean, be good to get Anthony's opinion and, and his what, what his take's been as well. But I mean, yeah, I was saying off, off air, but I've probably been almost unwittingly dragged into this conversation. Like it was just sort of been this massive non-issue for me. I don't see why, I don't, first of all, social media isn't, the, bar the barometer for controversy. That's the first point I want to make. Um, because there's a lot of stuff they'll go, oh, outrage. You know, in the news, they'll say, oh, outrage as someone said this. And it's like, what? Who cares? <laughs> like, so, um, but in terms of 
at least at a systematic review level, there is research evidence for pelvic girdle, pain treatments, taping, basic manipulation, massage. It's, it, is it great evidence? No, but it's still something. It's, there's still some evidence for it as a, as, a, as a package of care. And I think, you know, for, and if you look across the body, it do, you don't have to dig too deep into the research evidence to find at least systematic review level. Is there meta-analysis level? In some areas of the body, yes, for manual therapy exclusively. But none of us would just have a patient walk in, we say nothing to them, you do a mobe, they just walk out. Like, that's not how it happens. Um, and so I think I really feel for the patients, as you said with that one the other day, I feel for the patients because I've lost count now how many patients have come to me and they'll say something to the effect of, I wish the physio would just put their hands on me. How can they know what's wrong? They didn't touch me. And it's, it's a bad look because if they don't, especially if I go back to my big bug bear, if they don't get even some, even if it's palpating, I had a, a one physio try to argue with me. It was contraindicated to palpate a patient. And that was one of the cases, Anthony, where I said, look, that's false. <laughs> like you cannot, you can't say that. That's not true. What would be contraindicated? How? This person had, this person had acute low back pain. And she said, I, she, she said, and genuinely, she wasn't being, she wasn't even being particularly defensive. She just said, I honestly thought it was contraindicated to palpate a patient with low back pain. So I think that is how, ex, how extreme, even, even though I don't think that's been the intent of some of the conversation, that's what some new and recent graduate physios have picked up. And so, you know, I've had that on multiple occasions now, and I do second opinions every day. And I've had patients say that. And then they may have a true movement impairment, probably where the hands-on is going to be more indicated. But even if they don't, this, there should still be some assessment of the, of the patient from a palpatory point of view. Anyway, but um, yeah, so I just find that with, with, with conversations like manual therapy, it's, it leaves the people that, that want to use it case by case feeling almost guilty um, which which isn't supported empirically, but then um, you know they, they they feel disillusioned, and then they have the patients telling them they want it. And so I think it's they need to know it's not wrong to do it for a bit. You know, it's not that's there's nothing I can't I couldn't I can't find any compelling evidence to to suggest that. There's actually a really good article um, by Professor Roger Carey, and he came out and said the title of the article is something to the effect of. Uh, hands on hands off is that even a thing and he basically goes through all the best evidence and says we cannot say manual therapy does nothing we we cannot say it makes patients passive dependent and we can't say that physio is over over service and he, he does it in quite a brilliant you know and he has a little bit of satire in there as well but yeah i just feel for i feel for the patients mainly because they're just they've you know i've had quite a few say oh the physio said it was it was in my brain pain was in my brain and I'm like it, and it's they're very straightforward cases they're not even particularly complex cases they're not certainly not chronic widespread persistent pain you know functional central sensitization state whatever you want to call it now but mm. yeah it's it's a difficult thing isn't it where uh the sound bites and believe me I am a sound bitey type person you know like I like my pithy sayings because people remember them um but it's difficult if we get a situation where, you know, you're the best physio in the world and I've got no patients here because nobody wants to come see me. I just tell people it's in their head. They just go see somebody else. Um, it's, I, I agree so much with what you're, with what you're saying. This is certainly not the podcast I imagined that I'd be sitting in <laughs> listening to today. So fantastic. Uh, love it. I, I get in trouble. This is what I get in trouble for on social media, Kieran. I get in trouble for saying maybe we should use a biopsychosocial approach in our discussions with our colleagues. And that's what I get slammed for. No, they're professionals. It's on them to keep up with the research. It's like, I agree. We can still use a biopsychosocial approach, meaning recognize the person understand their background, where they came from, their education, what's at stake for them, where their mind is at, where their psychology is at, what's at stake for them, and the theories that they hold on to, 
and get alongside people. Oh, no, 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 Anthony. That's terrible. How dare you suggest something like that? That's what I get in trouble for, for suggesting that we actually treat other professionals as human beings. Uh, pretty sad state of affairs, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, for patients, they're none the wiser with this stuff. So, you know, I enjoy having these thought experiments with, with other physios, you know, and even other and other medical disciplines and allied health i do enjoy i, I really enjoy that but the, this stuff is very high above where the patients are at with all due respect to you know even the, the patients that are not medical or health at all will still not be at that level their, their thinking and reasoning and understanding of what we're trying to explain to them is the this is empirical now would say it's far less significantly less most of them understand that a a year five level, you know, a primary school age level of understanding. And that's not being disrespectful to the general population. That's what the health literature would say. And so physios will want to have these conversations, which are great. But at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff is just misunderstood by patients because the, as you're saying, the physios are trying to communicate to the patient as if they're a physio, but they could, they should just be like you're saying, talking to physios like that, but talking to patients differently. I, I sort of, I feel like we should talk to patients one way, physios one way, medical or extra professionally another way. But even that's quite triggering for some people. I, I would say <laughs> that we should speak to them the same way. And that is meet the person where they're at and yeah. converse at that point. In that way, it's the same. Um, yeah. But what that looks like, I agree with you. It would look different. And when I've got a doctor here um, seeing me for treatment, I still speak to them like a person because personally, I think experiencing pain, experiencing injuries, experiencing symptoms is very different to being a therapist, helping somebody experiencing pain, experiencing symptoms, experiencing injuries. And um, the most common comment that I get from healthcare providers, doctors, physios, everyone else is, Thank you for not assuming that I should know what to do because I don't. It's really hard to assess yourself, you know. Um, in terms of um, the application of the research, this is called the Women's Health Podcast. I'd like to talk about women's health side of things. Um, in terms of the, um, the application of, say, the ACL research in female athletes, um, we could look at... Um, you know, persistent pain um, in, in, in clients, pelvic girdle pain in pregnancy. How do you see, uh, well, where we've come from, where we are now and where we will be in the future, hopefully based on the evidence, based on the conversations, based on the cultural climate that we've got? Yeah, I, I mean, I wish... It, it's my, we could talk probably for the next five or six hours about that, you know, as a standalone point uh, or a standalone question. There's, and, you know, it depends where we want to go. Um, with, as you know, and as you guys know, like we have research evidence and its translation is very slow. And that's probably the thing that existentially I'm struggling with is I wish it, I wish it was quicker. I wish policy, you know, there could be one or two policy changes rubber stamped quickly that would completely change the game but it just doesn't there's lots of other mitigating factors that are non-evidence-based you know resistance from different groups including political you know which i had never even considered before i started looking into um you know this at least the acl topic you know why is there such resistance to to high quality evidence when it's being produced it for those who can't see, Marika's just doing like a money gesture. Um, well, can, can we just say, you, you might you probably put a few noses out of joint because, you know, got to pay for some private school fees and, and, and cars and things through surgical interventions. I didn't say that. Well, well look, I, don't, I, I, I do think it's, it would be a particularly jaundiced view to homogenise that, to say that it's, you know, there's... Um, private elective surgeries are, you know, a for-profit system. 
if you don't want it to hear it from a physio, you can hear it from an orthopedic surgeon. So you could listen to the New World podcast and have hear Ian Harris talk on the topic. I think on the whole, all healthcare professionals want to help patients. They do. I think they do. I really do. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But unfortunately, in the Australian system, it's very commission style. Um, and that, that is a significant driver that is spoken about by some researchers. Um, <clears throat> Ray, Moynihan, Ray Moynihan is, is a fantastic researcher who used to be a journalist. And he talks about that um, pervasive effect of, and, and the sort of almost seedy influence of business and healthcare, where it can be, it's, it's you're treading an ethical fine line all the time. Um, and so I, I think I probably five, six years ago, I was more naive to that. I, I didn't appreciate it as a factor. Is it the dominant factor? Very hard to know. You know, it certainly people wouldn't be explicit about it. Um, it'd be difficult to get people to, you know, go on, go on the record and talk about that. But, um, you know, for ACL, without question, the current rates are not justified. Like they're not justified by, by the research evidence. Um, and so I think part of that is also that the policies and, and the systems that were created were created 50 years ago, where the model of thinking was different. And so it, to try and get that updated is very hard. It's a, it's a mega system, very powerful system. And then some people want to keep that perpetuated. And so um, not all though, you know, heaps there's, of people- There's also to... in part patient beliefs, isn't it though, Kieran? Because, you know, when we were chatting to Adam and um, Andrew about this before, but, you know, we've all sort of come through a system where if you're athletic and you play a sport that changes directions, you have this surgery. So most people in the community have, a, have an understanding and I could talk to my husband and he had his done 10 years ago. That is the understanding. And if you yeah. play sport, you get it done. And yeah. so the, so I guess from a um, consumer perspective too, it's the consumers are thinking, well, this is still the best, the best thing to have. This is the gold standard. Yeah. And so... Um, How do we change that? That's a great question. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, I can I could sort of give you a broad overview, but um, Josh Zadro and Evangelos Pappas, who was at University of Sydney, is now at the University of Wollongong. He's a professor, Josh Zadro, who were doing a little bit of research on uh, for the quality of evidence on ACL websites um, in in you know around the world. It's very poor. You know, it's very hard to try and find high quality information for patients, um, but in their editorial, they wrote this editorial recently, I think it was like two years ago, which we could put in the show notes. But basically, there is this almost expectation from patients that surgery is a quick fix, quote unquote. And so they, they, they don't know that they don't, they commit a type two error because they don't know they don't, they don't know there's another option. And so, you know, if, if you were to try and sum up my view, it would be in a majority of cases, patients should be encouraged to wait like anything, anything elective. And you kind of go through stepwise the process as to whether you ultimately need that, whether it's, you know, total hip, total knee, um, knee arthroscopy, you know, ankle reconstruction, ACL reconstruction. It should be that pathway, but with the model is flipped where the patients get access to that stuff early. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it it's it is harder it's a bit it's you, you have to get the patient engaging in exercise you've got to get them shifting their thinking you've got to get them emotionally calm if it's if if it's elite level which i've had quite a bit of engagement with it it the system is driven you know is significantly different to general pop like it's a general pop's fairly straightforward Elite levels a whole nother beast. The athletes aren't really in charge of their own destiny. They they may be a bit, but it's it's mainly um, you know a lot of the you know there's contract pressures and and the club pressure, media pressures. So this is significant amount of factors that all move very fast. It it definitely comes at a cost, doesn't it, for them? Um, and 
you know, so what I, what I was hearing you say is that uh, too many, too many female athletes are doing their ACLs. We've talked in the last podcast about the contributing factors, injury prevention, but also the delay, the delay in um, getting that surgical or the surgery, really. I don't, I don't know. Around here, it's not too bad with the people that I see. Um, you know, it's okay to, to be told to wait here, it seems. But um, maybe they're just really busy. But, um, but well, yeah, I, 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 mean, I like to think it's evidence-based. Um, yeah, yeah, same. And, you know, um, I think prior to COVID, it was, it, the, Australia has the highest rates of reconstruction in the world per capita. Um, don't, put, don't do a fist bump. Uh, but, yeah, so... so That's a sarcastic winning there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're winning. Woo! Um, but... Yeah, I think probably now patients seem like that's definitely been stymied from because of the pandemic for sure. Like literally elective surgeries were cancelled. Um, so that's in some sense is good, for, is, is good for patients to start contemplating, considering their options more. Um, for the female athlete, yeah, I haven't listened to the last episode, but I'm sure they would say that you know, females are significantly more likely to injure their ACL. Um, but based on the best evidence, the outcomes are pretty similar for, for male and female, whichever path you choose, surgery, surgery or not, which is encouraging. In fact, there's another control trial that showed very similar just recently that at least 50% of people don't need the surgery. Um, and the ones that choose the surgery don't seem to have significantly clinical better outcomes than the ones that don't. So it's, that's the dilemma. Um, but all of the funding is towards surgery without question. So... I think there's phys physio couldn't have a harder it, it, like physio or people advocating for multiple options, at least uh, have got a very tough battle. You were going to say Marika. Uh, yeah, I was. And I've just lost my train of thought. I don't know what we're going to say. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, in terms of clinical pathways, like in some conditions, we'll have clinical pathways that are evidence-based and that are put together by the big representative bodies. It, are there actually clinical pathways for ACL injuries that actually have a recommendation to do, you know, have this scan, try a period of, we don't call it conservative rehab, do we, Anthony? We call it sexy, cutting edge, aggressive. Sexy, cutting edge, progressive. Um, progressive. <laughs> uh, no, not really. Not, not rehab, not rehab. No, no. Management. Um, this, Management. This high, 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 high quality scientific exercise Leading edge stuff. Cutting edge, yeah. That's, I think that's. that's I, th I actually, although you guys, I know you're joking, but I actually, that's what we're I not use. joking. That's how. No, no, we're not joking. Yeah, no, I, well, well, yeah, I'm serious. I think I think it's yeah. good. Like I, that's yeah. exactly what I say. And I think um, patients, when they have it presented to them like that, in my experience, I was just I saw I just saw one earlier, like a, a non-surgical ACL, just a patient, just you know, an hour ago, hour and a half ago, and he he's. Um, I said to him, I have not had, I have, I've done hundreds of these. I've not had a patient regret waiting, not one. Um, and even the ones that have ultimately needed the surgery or, or had persistent episodes of instability who probably fit the criteria for surgery. I've not had one regret waiting. Mm. And so um, the pathways on the whole are basically, if you look at Medicare, you've got, they can get a free, free MRI. They can get a free GP consult as a part of that. They can get a free surgeon consult and free surgery funded, but you, you don't get physio funded in any of that. So it's that's that's the challenge. There are some primary care setups in Queensland where the physio is actually triaged to the surgeon. So my big view and and hope is that in the next ten years we could see not just in ACL but across all musk, you have these centres. Hope potentially including in private, you know, and even in GP centers where you have an experienced and trained clinician who triages MSK. And then you, the patients that truly need surgery and you, you're flagging that early or they need, they've got potential red flags or they need imaging, they need pharmacology, they need injectables. They can get streamlined that early. And the, the UK models and in Scandinavia have shown that this is highly cost-effective, very easy to roll out but you do need policymakers to rubber stamp that. 
and it's it's harder than we'd like to think but i that's how i see physio moving into that space and we can be very effective um i don't know what you guys think about that but yeah i think um you know having physios in charge um like uh oh, can't remember his name jeff someone at the dockers was in charge of um jeff, jeff boyle boyle that's it um you know oh don't mention the dockers look at that smile that marika's got on her face as soon as you mentioned the dockers my goodness uh, we, well i'm a dockers fan as well and oh my we're goodness we're rebuilding and always we oh, i was gonna always, say aren't you always rebuilding they're depressing actually to be honest supporting them. i don't know why fan. i still support yeah yeah i wish i well, I came from New Zealand. I came from New Zealand in 1995, the same year oh, the no, started. Oh no, another one. And so, yep. So I'm also a Kiwi. How did you um, all end up in Perth? <laughs> we're taken over. So, the, but that, but but uh, because the Eagles had won the year before, and everyone was talking about. And so I just thought, you know what? Being in New Zealand, I kind of like being the little brother. And I'm literally a little. I've got an older brother. I'm literally the little brother. And so I like, you know what? I'm going to support that team. Bad decision. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I can't give them up. They're quite addictive, aren't they, Marika? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we need masochists in the world. So thank you for being a part of that. I'm a St. George Illawarra supporter in rugby league, and we are almost yeah, eternal yeah. masochists as well. So um, you've won a premier you've won a premiership though, surely. Yeah, yeah. 2010. We made lots of grand finals, but um, but yeah. yeah. Uh <laughs> small. But Kieran, on your on your thing, on your topic of having um, specialist physios, I mean, do you, it, it does seem to be happening a little bit in, sorry, not specialist physios, but the yeah. one that does triaging. Like I don't it, think it has to be a specialist physio, yeah. But although yeah. I think that pathways, you know, I think the APA has got a good direction with that and the college has got a good, you know, we've, now we have um, titled members are now a part of the college, which I think is great. But I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if, if this is the point you're going to make get to but yeah i i really think that experienced and trained physios in an advanced scope or, or first contact advanced role is the term i was looking for yeah i did the word specialist came out but i didn't mean like that specialist but i was just thinking of people like piers who works at fiona stanley and you know i don't know how much of that's over east as well anthony where there's you know highly skilled musk physios working in um the ed emergency departments actually um triaging all the the musculoskeletal stuff but then once you're outside that very acute setting there really is is no way for them to go apart from private pretty yeah. much and the yeah. the whole you know we i think we i think we really do have a, a big role to play like you were saying Kieran in um in having physios being able to do that um of course the cynic in me thinks okay well then those physios will become incorporated with the medical establishment because they'll they can afford to pay them bigger money, um, but I, I, I remain optimistic. In terms of helping the, the people who've survived so far through our particular conversation, this podcast, what I'm hearing is for the public to hang in there if you've got something that people are saying needs an operation. Obviously, if you've got, you know, you've lost the use of your arm or leg, you have unbelievable red flag symptoms, Sure. But things like an ACL, a shoulder reconstruction, an ankle reconstruction, um, I'm, I'm hearing, look, let's just see, let's just wait. There's great evidence for the cutting edge leading uh, approaches of using uh, the different things that physios and other health and fitness professionals can do to help. Uh, for those who are at the coalface, health and fitness professionals uh, hang in there, let's let's stop fighting and bickering about the little itty bits and pieces um but rather let's use the combined strength that we have together to advocate for better outcomes for for people and and we know around the world that women's healthcare outcomes are just lower um in general so let's band together and and seek to help support each other we don't have to agree to have the same aim of providing the best healthcare outcomes for people which i think all of us agree that's what we're trying to do and uh for those who are a, a part of the medical establishment as uh specialists or general practitioners please know that um 
nobody's saying that operations are useless. Um, a little bit more judicious choice, maybe utilize more of a, a, a team care approach. Um, yeah. How's that sound as a summary? Absolutely. You know, I've got, I love that. And, and, you know, in Perth informally, it's not, maybe in the future, it might be more of a, you know, a formal thing that I do, but I've got local surgeons who will send me ACL full thickness tear patients. Uh, there's been some cases where I'll send them back to the surgeon who send them back to me for my opinion. So it, it's, I think it can be, it's, you know, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I think there can actually be a collegial peer-to-peer interprofessional team where you have all moving parts working together. I don't think it's like, I'm also agree with you. I'm optimistic. I think it can shift. It does. It's, there's many barriers and, and some, it takes leaders within each profession. And, and, you know, I've got a, a, quasi team you know i've got a sports doctor that i refer to who refers to me i've got a surgeon who i refer to and he refers to me and i think it, and and i think patients love getting those multiple they love it and then on the whole to be honest on the whole i agree and then i think it also within physiotherapy we have to be honest and go well look i probably this patient needs another view you've got to have that where's our limit and, uh, you know, the same applies in, in other professions, but I've seen it work well in all cases. And I think that way we can get a balance. I think the, um, the threat for so many is seeming irrelevant. And this is all professions, by the way, seeming like you're irrelevant or out of touch. Um, you know, the existential crisis that I was talking about before was uh, people going through, what am I even doing here? Am I, am I even doing anything? What am I doing to help people if none of this is true? And the thing is, is that what we do helps, it just may help for different reasons to what we were taught. Um, and that, the same goes for, for doctors and surgeons. I have zero doubt that what they do helps those that it helps a lot and they've helped so many people the reasons why some of them might be for what they think and some of them may not be for what they think um and and you know what it's that professional relationship i think being able to sit there and have a non-threatening conversation instead instead of somebody yelling at you on twitter or or, or facebook yeah. getting yeah. alongside having a decent conversation and that biopsychosocial approach, the thing that I find helps in those conversations for me, at least, is to acknowledge that they're doing the very best they can for people. They truly want to help. Acknowledge yeah. that they've done so much good already. And then start from that base. And, and let's talk about how we can do even better, as opposed to trying to rubbish people for, for what they do. You know, like if any of the providers that are listening out there, it's, I, I think that's the way forward. Like you said, right at the very start of this podcast, why are we fighting over the little itty bits and pieces? Let's get together, you know? Yeah. And I think um, it's, you know, at least with the relationship, there's two that I mentioned before, the sports physician and the, and the surgeon, it, it's very friendly. It's not like, and I'm, I'm genuinely interested in their view and their opinion. And um, more often than not, we've come to the same agreement. And I think there's sometimes where you have to really think, okay, well, maybe they've, sometimes you have to stand your ground, but most of the time, I think it, you, you find you've got more in common. And I, I, I wish, I hope that physios get in the future, get more confident as well in, in backing themselves. Cause there's sometimes where absolutely the best thing for the patient is what we can offer. And, and um, we have to be an advocate for them because it's not always, it's, it's sometimes just missed. I'm cognizant of the of the time, um, Kieran, because <laughs> we could probably talk to you for hours. So I'm just have I'm just going to have one um, one more follow up question. One of the things I know you're you're really passionate about is is supporting physios in in, in practice in general. And um, yeah. and Auntie and I are both are both have both very much come from I think a a place of uh, it sounds really woo woo, but a, of, of abundance. Like there's plenty of work for all of us. Um, yep. don't feel yep. a very competitive spirit with the people next to me. If I kind Definitely. of think someone can do a better job, I'm yep. very quick 
just to handball on and say, oh, this person yeah. can, is really good at X, Y, and Z. And I, I get a yeah. ton of referrals from other physios. And yes. I think, you know, I'd love to hear your advice really for, for physios yeah. who's starting out, especially if you're, you know, not maybe not quite so confident in your skills you, you want to upskill your game, you know, what would be your sort of top tips for somebody who's new in private practice in particular? And I, yeah. and I would hundred percent agree with getting mentoring. I think that's absolutely critical. Um, yes. And, but beyond that, yeah. What would be a couple of, a couple of quick tips that you would suggest? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think absolutely you should avail yourself to consistent mentoring. Um, the research evidence that I've read is uh, the smaller groups, the better. So ideally one-on-one -on -one because you're much more likely to open up and, and be frank and if, if it's if it's one-to-one -one. And, and that's probably my model and that's probably how I've seen it work best for me. And I think, I think get, you know, it's okay to get multiple mentors and, and, get, and just be as honest and open as to how you're going and what your feedback is. Um, the changes are quite dramatic in the first year. Um, but I, I still want to keep improving. So like myself personally, in a year's time, I want to be better than what I am now. Um, and like you said about the abundance mentality, I fully agree with that. I don't even think, we're, you know, the fact that Anthony is doing mentoring, I love that. I think it's amazing. We need more leaders of leaders, more mentors of mentees. The more we can have, the better. And I don't think it is competitive at all. It's, it's we're not even, there's not enough mentors. So I think... Um, and, you know, getting other physios to look at your cases, you know, even an individual case is a great way to learn. It's one of the best ways I think you can um, pick up clinical, clinical tips or questions and strategies you may never have learned. You, do, you, just didn't, you just didn't know. And it's not like a personal judgment. You just didn't know. And so I think for, for me, that's probably been in my career the best thing I've done is, is consistently and probably in life as well, you know, another all sorts of things i think you know in people's relationships and whatever you have to always get people giving you you know finances whatever it is you got to get people giving you counter perspectives and because you can get really it's quite easy for all of us to get locked in a certain way of thinking um and yeah i love that thing about the abundance because it's it, i just see in the future physio has so much potential to impact more more than ever i don't think the profession's ever been better placed personally um and you know the APA and what they're doing is amazing, and so I, I'm in you know, fully support of it. Even though I did slowly <laughs> ditch the, that that group that we were in, um, but yeah, I I think I think um, it's so, it's such an exciting time to be in healthcare, and what physio can offer is is quite powerful. And uh, yeah, we need to be offering it more. Look, thank you very much for uh, for all of that. Um, like I said, not the podcast that I had imagined, but the podcast that I love. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've covered so many different things. Uh, you know, what drives healthcare? We've talked about, uh, you know, how our role as physios, and I know not most people probably that are listening to this podcast are not physios, but... Um, uh, you know, our role in the healthcare system is peanuts from a financial perspective compared to the massive amount of funding that medical gets. Uh, we've talked about the evolution of, of uh, physio from when you did your undergrad through to your specialization and now, um, and the role of EBP and, and perhaps like what we said, the uh, misguided application, I think is, is a nice way of saying <laughs> Um, yeah. just simply because people, not everybody enjoys really wrestling hard with a concept. Uh, you know, there are people totally legitimate to just want to turn up to work, do your thing and go home so you can do other things. Um, there is nothing wrong with that. Um, and then we've also covered how, um, you know, we looked at ACL and the surgical, the surgical management um, and and the the benefit of waiting. There are people that do need to go have ACL reconstructions. They don't need to have it yesterday. Um, you know, give rehab a chance, not rehab. Give the sexy cutting edge management a chance <laughs> to to really show its colours. 
Uh, because you get a head start on 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 your recovery and return to sport anyway. Um, you know, low back pain. It doesn't matter what it is, which joint it is. Um, it, it's you know, it's it's the meeting the individual where they're at. We talked about professionals. We talked about those social media discussions. Uh, so much, and and the advice right at the end there, having other people look at at things and having other physios look at your cases. It's um, yeah, it's it's a brave thing to let people see what you do. It's mm. also a brave thing to ask people to critique what you've done. Uh, like you said, it requires a lot of vulnerability and being able to uh, to have a, a safe space to do that is really important. And it sounds like that's what you and your company provide makes me happy um you know we need as like you said we need as many people as we can out there um and it's so great to find another ally in the middle uh, <laughs> so that we can suffer together in the middle uh, <laughs> how how was that do we miss anything in in that little wrap up there yeah look i not really <laughs> no i mean i could probably speak more about a few of these different issues if you want, but ah. um, no, I think I, I, you know, I love talking about these um, larger scale issues in, in physiotherapy. And I feel like maybe it's a silent majority that are really in the middle and they're sort of a bit tired of it. And they actually see the value, you know, in women, in women's health and Musk, there are two significant areas where physio has the solution. And I think it's um, there's more that, we agree on the not. So I think, yeah, we, we just need to be confident and, and uh, find like-minded people to, to, you know, come along, you know, as you said, come alongside and have just as like a, you know, a bit of a, a team to, to, to keep shifting the, the narrative. And I think that's where the, the value in face-to-face, -face, Kieran, is so important too. Like yeah. I know that we had this period of time through COVID and, and everything had to go online and that was great. But there's, there's nothing better than attending a course in person and going to a meeting with your colleagues in person and having conversations face-to-face. -face. They never end up being quite as aggressive as what they can be online. Um, but you can really feel, you know, that support of your colleagues when you actually meet up and practice things together and learn together. And, and I, I just think, you know, it's... we. I agree. I love being a physio. I love our job. It's fantastic, you know, and I think... That's one of the reasons why I snuck onto the Musk board is because even though I work in public health, like I think we have too many silos and and mm. we just need to be working in different areas and getting to know what each other does and mm -hmm. referring in and out and having this big collaborative approach. I'm making lots of hand actions at the moment. Um, but I think you get my gist, you know. I think I think we can Absolutely. very much stuck in our little silos and oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, some of the, you know, I've had some family members that have seen women's health physios and it's literally changed their life, like literally changed the direction of their life. And so I, I think there's power, there's such power in that. And, um, you know, not, not being afraid to very quickly refer on to that. And uh, I don't, I don't see it as competitive as all, at all. It's like, no, it's not, it's, and you, you know, I don't worry about coming to work. I know I'll be busy, but it's just how, how can I best help this next person the quickest way, you know? Yeah. Send bloody sensational, mate. Thank you. Thank you for that. We'll be happy to have you on the podcast again. Anytime you'd love to. Um, get my wife on, get my, my yeah. wife, get her on. That will be very different in right. parenting health in parent women's parenting health <laughs> if, that, do that. if that fits under your umbrella it does actually we have a very large umbrella we have a answer. big umbrella so long as we talk about <laughs> women's health in some way then i feel like we're meeting our mandate you know meeting our charter <laughs> yeah thank and you very so much anyone um follow kieran on on his socials um he does post very amusing memes he also likes to share lots of mris of you know, spontaneously healed ACLs, um, which people go, oh my God, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, it's very prolific on social media. Do you want to quickly share your socials? And obviously we'll put it in the show notes too. Oh yeah, it's so on um, Instagram. Yeah, I love memes. So I can post a scientific article 
In fact, now I think I've got a new strategy where I pretty much, even if I've got an article, I'll just post a meme that relates to the article. Because if I post the article, I'll get like 10 likes or 50. But if I post a meme, I'll get like 100 likes or like 200 likes. <laughs> so, and I quite like just sitting there and making the meme, you know. Um, you love the memes, aren't you? <laughs> I love I the memes. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's on uh, Instagram is um, at global special global underscore specialist underscore physio and then um on facebook it's global specialist physiotherapy and then on linkedin i'm more professional i'm yet to post a meme but one of my life goals is to do a full lecture in memes so i'll just have the meme and then just talk maybe it may be some sort of i don't know presentation you've said um, it now you've got to do it so i've got to do it just do it and i'll be real serious be real serious the whole time just we'll have you back on the podcast <laughs> right before you do it so that we can help publicize your meme-led lecture. How's that? It sounds good. I'll even host you on my education website. How's that? <laughs> I'd love it, mate. I'll do it. Full. I'll be serious. I'll actually do a meme for every point. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm good with that. We look forward to seeing it. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. I'm going to stop recording, but I'm sure we're going to keep talking. Give me one second. I'll stop everything. <laughs> Thanks for having cool. Thanks for being on the Thank podcast. You. We really appreciate it. Uh, cheers, guys. Well, that's it for this episode. Be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below. We'd really like to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.